0: Thank you for joining us today for TEDCO Talks, a new series featuring thought leaders in economic development from across the state of Maryland. Join TEDCO CEO, Troy LaMail Stovall, in thought-provoking conversations with regional leaders about the future of Maryland's innovation ecosystem. In this episode, Troy is joined by Chancellor Jay Perman of the University System of Maryland. Listen now to learn more about Chancellor Furman and the role he plays in supporting Maryland and DC's entrepreneurial ecosystem.
1: Greetings, everybody. Hope everyone had a super week. My name is Troy Lamel Stovall. I'm the Chief CEO and Executive Director for Maryland's TEDCo. Uh, I want you know we tape these, and I, I just want to take a moment before we introduce our guest, who's it's very appropriate. You know, we come, we're at the one year mark of when we kind of, I think is our hearing of the, the, the DMV, NBC4 talked about the day that changed everything uh, a year ago where uh, we all decided that wearing masks and social distancing uh, was gonna become the norm. And I think we all thought it was gonna be for a few months, maybe, you know, just a few weeks and we'd be back at it in the summer. And then the summer came and then the fall came and and here we are a year later. But uh, as I said in my, uh, in my uh, when I first started with Tedco, this notion of the word hope, um, if you really understand the, the etymology of the history of the word hope, hope isn't about wishful thinking, it's about very specific things that there is a definitiveness of it coming, and I think that's what we are with this in this space. And uh, it, I think it's very timely that, that we're going to be talking to our guest today, uh, Chancellor Jay Perman, who is the Chancellor for the University System of Maryland because he represents, uh, you'll hear more about his career, but what he represents with USM is all the various tools that, and some of the tools, some of the many tools that Maryland is using both to address the, 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 uh, the, 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 the pandemic, but as well as how do we think about coming out of this pandemic and, and, and what that means, both from a societal point of view and a medicinal point of view. So Dr. Perman, thank you. I, I never know if it's, 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 it's Chancellor Doctor or Dr. Chancellor, uh, but I, I really appreciate uh, a fellow warrior. Just
2: Jay house. is fine.
1: <laughs> Jay works too. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And so, uh, again, thank you. Thank you for all you've done uh, for the system, for, for the citizens of Maryland. And you, you've just had a know, distinguished career. And let's, let's talk a little bit about that career, if we could start off with, you know, kind of how you got to this place of being the chancellor and your journey. Uh, again, this includes a medical journey as a medical practicing doctor and and a professor and then leading uh, the University of Maryland Baltimore now this. But, but if you could think about that as you, as you tell that journey, you know, there's someone out there listening to us that, that will hear something or, or see something that resembles where they are and they're stuck and, and, and how you can help them maybe get unstuck because of some decisions you made along your career path.
2: Well, thank you, Troy. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's always uh, scary when somebody asks you to talk about yourself,
1: <laughs> because
2: uh, uh, you're worried that you might talk for too long and sound really arrogant. So uh, I'm going to do the best I can. But I like what you just said. Uh, maybe there's somebody out there uh, that could take a page from, uh, from my journey. Uh, and that makes me feel good, because after all, I'm an educator, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in this role. So I feel that I'm in my element. Uh, I was born in Chicago uh, to two immigrant parents uh, who came from Eastern Europe, uh, didn't have the requisite education uh, to uh, move on in life here. And uh, they uh, went into a small business operating what in those days was called a hand laundry. Those, that was in the days before... We all had washing machines and dryers. So yep. Yep. you brought your laundry to a place and they washed your clothes for you and they pressed things. It was a hard way to make a living. Yep. Uh, I'm not suggesting I was deprived of that, uh, anything, but you know, I was the uh, only child of immigrant yep. parents who frankly lived from week to week. Mm-hmm. And I decided at age five that I wanted to be a physician.
1: Wow. At, age, uh, and I at maybe, age five, at age
2: five. At, at age five. And that's not such an unusual story for a lot of people who are uh, physicians. Uh, and, you know, I stuck to that. But my father passed away. He was a two pack a day smoker. Yeah. He developed esophageal cancer. He passed away when I was 13, 14 years old. My mother had to support us. Uh, she gave up the business because she couldn't do it herself. And she became a seamstress. She worked in a shop uh, that uh, made hats. And they paid you by the piece. Oh, it was yeah. called piecework. Piece and the yeah. shop was called a sweatshop. <laughs> and I wanted to be a physician, Troy. You see where I'm going here? I do. <laughs> you know, and maybe the dollar amount wasn't the same years ago. But being a physician and getting a medical education uh, it was very expensive. And I wasn't giving up on that dream.
1: Yeah.
2: So, uh, you know, I was fortunate. I got helped in undergraduate school at Northwestern. Uh, I got loans and scholarship and all that. And uh, But then I was going to medical school. And we didn't know how we were going to pay for it. And uh, one day, about three weeks before I was supposed to start medical school, Troy, I get a letter in the mail and it says, congratulations, you are the Ploner Scholar. Okay. Your medical education is paid for.
1: Oh, wow, so, wow, wow, wow,
2: Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I never got a chance to thank Mrs. Ploner, uh, but you see the point here. It's a lot of the reason why I'm sitting here today. Uh, somebody made it possible for me to have access and affordability. Yep. And that's what the University System of Maryland stands for. We need to make sure among our 12 institutions of higher education and our three regional higher education centers, you talked about hope. Mm-hmm. Anybody that has the hope of getting a higher education, which obviously I firmly believe gives us privileges that we'd like to have in our lives. They need to be able to get that education. They all need Mrs. Cloners or something like it.
1: No, so, you know, I I have a higher ed background and and you and I share that same vision that, you know, particularly for those that have not had access, that education is supposed to be that great equalizer. It's supposed to be that that thing that, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but, you know, zip codes in my mind are these Virtual prisons, in many ways, and and, and so education is supposed to be that differentiator that gets you out of that, out of that zip code that you know you got born into or you grew up in. And education is supposed to be that give you the ability to move away or go back and help that zip code. But it gives you a choice. It gives you a choice.
2: Troy, can I comment on that? Because Please. I'm just delighted you said that. We haven't talked about this yeah. ourselves before, but we're talking the same talk. And, and let me tell you what I mean by that. There are plenty of people who say, uh, hey, you're a physician. What are you doing running a higher education system? Which is a legitimate question. <laughs> and and But it relates exactly to what you just articulated. I've learned in my care of patients over the years and their families. And you know, I'm a pediatric subspecialist. So I take care of children and their families. Here's what I've learned. I've learned and I teach now because I continue to see patients with students. I teach now that if you think, and I'm saying you the doctor, the doctor to be or the nurse to be, if you think that just because you're smart enough to make the right diagnosis and prescribe the right therapy, you're done, you're not done. Yeah, Because patients and families come to a medical setting with all kinds of baggage around them. They have no money, they have no access to good nutrition, they don't have transportation to go and do what you want them to do and see this one yep. and that one. And I got tired, not tired of the care which I love, but I got tired of not being able to do anything about it at a macro level. So you can see where I'm going here. Mm-hmm. To have the privilege to oversee higher education, that's the way to deal with what I just said and what you just said at a macro level. Yep. If your zip code is burdening you, education is the way to deal with it.
1: It's supposed to be, yeah. And you know, it's, it's not perfect. We, you, know, we, we could, you and I could talk all day just on that one subject, uh, I, I like to call myself, uh, a doctor who has, so I n- never told you this. so my, my father is, is a physician and my sister is also a physician. Actually, she went to the university of Maryland, Baltimore. She's, she's a physician who went to the university of Maryland, Baltimore, and she is now the, um, uh, health commissioner for the city of Columbus. Uh, oh, some- she's one of my alums, Troy. Absolutely. 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 And so she, uh, she remembers you, uh, very, very well. And, uh, I'm very proud of the work that she's doing, obviously in the social COVID uh, work. And, and speaking of, of, of Baltimore, I, I, well, before we get to that, you, folks may particularly, you know, cause people are listening to us from across the country and maybe even the world, people may not know about USM and, and what that is and, and what that represents. Well, you, you kind of intimated it, but once you give folks a little bit more so about USM.
2: Yeah, I'd love to, uh, you know, starting with students, which is where it starts. Uh, we serve over 170,000 students across our institutions. And I like to say, Troy, that Maryland's higher public higher education system is sort of higher ed in miniature. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let me tell you what I mean by that. Across this 12 institution system, plus three regional higher ed centers, which are placed, the latter that I mentioned, mm-hmm. are placed in Montgomery County and in Southern Maryland and in Western Maryland, again, to make it easier for people that can't go far from home to get education. We've got everything that's in higher education. We've got powerhouse research institutions like College Park, University of Maryland, Baltimore, and University of Maryland, Baltimore County. We've got great regional comprehensive universities like Towson, University of Maryland, Eastern Shore, uh, Salisbury University, Frostburg University. We've got HBCUs, never more important than they are now. Bowie, Coppin, again, UMES. And we've got a Center for Environmental Science. Again, totally appropriate. And then finally, sort of the piece de resistance, (laughs) particularly in this time, Our University of Maryland Global Campus, which is the major public online university in the country. Yes, so we got everything.
1: You got everything. Well, what
2: what we 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 can customize,
1: and 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 be able to give those students the time when they need it, as they need it, particularly with UMGS, when they need it, as they need it, as they don't have to come to a physical campus, which is uh, you know I've talked about that. That's a model that more and more is going to be the case as you serve serve more adult learners, how do you get to them at a place for them as opposed to them having to come to a place?
2: Yeah, again, never more important. You know, we're going to always have maybe the people that are like you and me who got done with high school and, you know, you go on to college, you know, the first time uh, college student. But then uh, especially in these times where people need to reskill or upskill or they've lost their job. There you go. They, they can't come to a residential campus. They've got to have our offerings with distant education. And all of our institutions are offering that. And in fact, UMGC, in addition to offering it primarily itself, is also working with its sister institutions in the system to burnish our ability to provide remote education.
1: That's awesome, that is awesome. We could talk forever. I mean, as as folks may not know, uh, I'm I'm, uh, just coming out of higher ed. I've been at several HBCUs. I love what uh, Dr. Perman is talking about, and and this is so hard. I want to double click on during your tenure as as, the president there at uh, Baltimore, Uh, And and specifically, I want to talk about. uh, I know you were very, uh, uh, very engaged with the community engagement and engaging UMB into Baltimore. And 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 I think a lot of people have, uh, particularly, may not be from kind of a negative view of Baltimore. They may not be the most positive view of Baltimore. But I think understanding the the role that UMB played, and and if you could talk more about that and let folks understand that. And, and, and the focus for me and we'll transition that to this question is, is around this diversity. How do, we, how do we bring more diversity into, uh, into the sciences, in, in, into engineering? And, and a lot of your efforts were trying to, to bring that about.
2: Well, uh, I wanna address the point you just made uh, and as an example, because we have work to do in diversifying, and I mean race, social economic yeah. class, political point of view, what have you. We have work to do in every single one of the disciplines that we teach on. But the one of course I know best, and that is something I'm very proud of during my tenure at UMB and now ongoing at UMB, it's a program called CURE. Uh Uh, And CURE stands for Continuing Umbrella of Research Experiences but it's much more than research experiences. Here's the problem that we realized we needed to help solve when we started the CURE program, which is a program for middle schoolers about five years ago in West Baltimore, working with middle schools in West Baltimore. Here's the deal. The fact of the matter is that in 1978, there were about 500, a little more, African-American males that matriculated to U.S. medical schools. 40 years later, you know how many there are? (laughs) 500. Despite the fact that there has been effort to try to deal with it, despite the fact that the African-American population has more than doubled (laughs) over those years. And the fact of the matter is, this is not just a matter of fairness and social justice, as important as those are. This is a very important issue because the data show that the outcome of a medical encounter, the outcome of a disease is very dependent on who it is that's serving the patient. And patients do much better when they are cared for by somebody that looks like them, that has their life experience their culture that's the way it is so it is so incredibly important to make these professions look like america exactly. because after all the bottom line is the outcome and we're not getting the outcomes we need so yeah go ahead
1: no 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 i, I look i'm an engineer uh, computer scientist I've same been, thing oh, the, Same. The group, everything uh, i just said same with, thing who called the national society of black engineers and i and i the and I was at University of District Columbia the president asked me to go at this one meeting with all the other HBCUs that have you know uh, engineering programs we were looking at the data and i'm sitting there thinking i've been doing this for 30 years trying to get more blacks and i look at the numbers jay and the numbers have gotten worse not yeah. better they've gotten worse and black, i black black
2: engineers rare species right
1: absolutely i mean i literally walked out the room i i went out the room crying i decided because I just like I've wasted 30 years of my life, you know, and the numbers have now gotten worse. And had several friends that walked walk, to talk me off the cliff, but but the point is that there, there is a systemic problem here, and 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 it's, it needs to be addressed at a systemic level. A, but B, you're you're right. And my sister tells me the same thing: is you can get better outcomes when you have individuals who look like the patient. That's the system.
2: fact. That's the fact. An African American male who's at higher risk in a variety of ways for the outcome of a prostatic cancer, which is so common, is gonna do much better with an African-American physician than with a white physician. And again, that's what we're after, a a Latino woman with breast cancer, same thing. So we have to deal with this. And what I said before, just to finish the Mm -hmm. cure story, is that there have been efforts, but most of those efforts, Troy, Start with trying to find promising young people at the end of high school or the beginning of college. And our hypothesis was you'll find them, but you won't find as many as you need because it's too late. Too late. Too many kids. That's why we've started our program in middle school. And we grab these kids, we expose them to science, we expose them to healthcare careers. Uh, We try to get as many of our African-American and Latino faculty to participate because you know that saying, you can't be what you can't, can't see. see. So we try we try to work on that and we hold on to these kids for dear life. Now, the first cohort is in the latter years of high school. I hope I'll still be around, maybe I'll be in a rocking chair to see a couple of them walk across a medical school graduation stage, but you gotta start somewhere I and you gotta it. start young. I love it. I think that's the same thing for engineers. Uh, I mentioned environmental science. This my president there. He starts telling me the story. He says, "Jay, you know we haven't changed the dearth of diverse students and practitioners and and scientists." In 40 years, it's the same story, Troy. Yeah. Exactly the same story.
1: Yeah, and it's frustrating. But also, you know, as, as my friends told me, you can't stop trying. You have to keep trying because at some point the needle will turn. But if we give up, then that's 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 the bad, that'll be the bad thing. And so the bad thing isn't that there hasn't changed, the bad thing will be if we give up, and we got to keep trying. Yeah. So so switch at least a little bit. So folks may be sitting here looking, maybe enjoying this conversation, but I'm sure they're trying to like what the heck does Tedco technology, venture capital, early stage have to do with USM? <laughs> and so let me allow my uh, audience to hear that link and, and let you contribute to it as well. So we have a number of connections. Uh, and, and I think at the heart of it is, as, and, and as the chancellor already said, there's a ton of, 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 of a talent that are at our institutions on the research side and, and our, and our, and our uh, comprehensive and, and our goal at TETCO is to work with them to turn those great ideas, whether they come from a lab or from somebody's mind or from somebody's garage, turn those into investable things that somebody else wants to invest in. So
2: that's why it's so important that the university system and TETCO have this relationship, have this partnership. You know, I think what too many people think with some justification, goes on on the research side of our mission, they think that, you know, that's uh, research for research sake. right? Uh, and you write it up in a scientific journal. You get credit for that in the academy. You get promoted. And yeah, that's the way it used to be. But the, the, the real important point here is that we have to take our intellectual capital, our discovery, and bring it out of the laboratory to serve humanity. There you go. It's got to be you go. translated. You know, it's, it's it, in the medical profession, the health profession, we talk about bench to bedside. Mm-hmm. But it's bench to bedside for everything. It's great to have a discovery but if you wanna move the needle for people to use the expression you used a little bit ago, mm-hmm. you gotta bring it out and you gotta interface with the business community and somebody who likes your idea and thinks it has validity and importance needs to put money toward it. You gotta meet, you gotta network people, with people. That's what you all do. That's what TEDCO does. And you know we've made great use in the university system of, uh, the MII program, the Maryland Innovation Initiative, so that we can tell a professor, this needs to go to market. Uh, So we we bring our intellectual property to you. We bring companies in the making that our professors might want to do. We have bioparks that need to interface with Tedco. So we bring the ideas, hopefully, and you allow us to make music with them
1: <laughs> and, and absolutely and, and we make we've made some great there's some outstanding we could go on and on about all some of the great companies that have gone on and, and frankly have become a multi-million multi-billion dollar companies and as you know we're we're looking at how do we expand that thinking to our co- to our comprehensive and so we're thinking of some pilots working with with uh, with the Frostbergs and, and the Salisbury's and and how do we take that entrepreneurial uh, content and intellect both at our students and within our faculty, and how do we tap into that to build a better Maryland? And so I'm excited about that next way that we're looking at now. Yeah,
2: and you mentioned students, and I'm so glad you, you, you did that because I was talking about our faculty, our professors, and what I learned at UMB is that, and UMB is largely students preparing for a profession. Right. The medical students and the pharmacy students, Troy, and the nursing students, the dental students, Literally, they came to my office and they said, yeah, I'm gonna go get an MD or a DDS. I wanna learn about how to take an idea and bring it to market. Students nowadays, you can educate them in whatever you wanna educate them, but they also wanna learn to be entrepreneurs. Amen. They they wanna learn how to go talk to somebody like you.
1: No, that's exactly right. So we're excited about trialing this out and piloting this and and seeing, Seeing where it goes, so I want to shift a little bit and, and and have some fun. So look, we I just mentioned at the beginning of this, we're we're now a year into this thing called this this pandemic, and and and, and uh, so I'm more curious at a personal level, kind of how you know I'm sure you came into 2020, you had your plans for the for the system and thoughts you had, and and then March 11th hit, <laughs> and 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 you know we got everything. And so, but what has Jay done, you know, over this year, you know, as you're and, to kind of make your way through this at a personal level, but also at a professional, how have you changed maybe your management style uh, in, in order to accommodate what, what we are going through?
2: Well, I'm glad to respond to that. First of all, let me put a finer point on Jay and uh, how that beginning of the year evolved. I started this job on January 1st, 2020. That's right. You know, there was no COVID uh, and, and it, you know, it, it's fascinating. And this is not a complaint by any means. It, it's fascinating how people manipulate history a little bit. So nowadays, everybody tells my wonderful bosses and they are wonderful, the Board of Regents of well, the University yep. of Maryland, yep. they say to them, God, you were so brilliant to hire a physician, you know. Which, of course, was dumb luck. Uh, and 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 uh, you know, to the extent that I've helped because I can understand the language, I hope I have helped. But here's the good news, you know, we have this wonderful university system of Maryland, which I talked about. But the fact of the matter is, the institutions are diverse in their mission. They're diverse in their geography they serve different audiences, and higher education institutions have a sense of independence, and they should, (laughs) and the accrediting bodies need that. So you know what I'm getting at. I wish it hadn't been because of a deadly virus that has decimated us, but it's probably not even appropriate to talk about silver linings, but you know what I mean. You know what this pandemic has done it has allowed me in my role to bring us together like never before. You know, uh, you, you know, that kindergarten book uh, uh, of 30 years ago, you know, everything I ever needed to know, I learned in kindergarten by Robert Fulghum. Yeah. The major principle in that book is, and I'm quoting, uh, when you go out into the world, it's best to hold hands and stick together. Amen. And, and, and that's what happened out of this. So the system is functioning for the benefit of Marylanders, I believe, more as a system than it's ever functioned before. So we leverage each other. You know, we've responded to COVID itself in terms of uh, developing vaccine, mm-hmm. uh, developing technology that helps us manage through the pandemic, like doors that open automatically, etc. We've We've collaborated like never before and the power of collaboration results in great products, great ideas, and uh, we formed an Institute for Pandemic Preparedness because regrettably, I think we all know one's coming. that once one's this coming. one's over, yeah, one's there's coming. no reason to think there won't be another one. Exactly correct. Uh, so what I'm sharing with you is uh, the glue is there like never before. And I'm privileged, you know, it's the way my mind works, uh, together, together, together. So this has been a, a, a wonderful opportunity for me.
1: Good for you. That's, that means you, you, As you were talking, you made me think about how, to your point, the glue and the system that you have that you represent, how that feeds into this thing we call the ecosystem from a ecosystem. technology and yeah. the, the support that you're bringing Really helps build a powerful ecosystem. You're you one of the fundamental elements of how we have a more powerful ecosystem here in Maryland. So I appreciate that. But at, at, again, at a personal level, I'm just curious, and I'll, I'll share my own. You know, I don't know if you got all these. I, I got more streaming services than I than I care to 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 acknowledge, and my my, my wallet knows it. And, and so, <laughs> you know, and and so I've I've gone back and looked at a number of old shows um, that or old movies. Um, my my wife is, is really into some of the ones like a uh, uh, Cagney and Lacey. And, oh my God! Yeah, and Charlie's Angels, and, and I, I'm big into 24. I love the old 24 um, from uh, Kiefer Southern. So I've, I've watched all that and all my Star Trek. So I got to ask you, what's that old TV show, or old movie you you went back and you look, wouldn't looked at uh, over and over again?
2: Wow, this is going to sound very corny, and it's <laughs> I want to sound- hear it. Yeah, but you 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 want me to sob? <laughs> yeah. So so uh, you know, and it, it'll show my age. There was a uh, a wonderful movie, and it was 1955, and okay. I think it was the Academy Award winner for best movie. It was a movie called Marty, uh, and uh, it starred uh, Ernest Borgnine. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful, warm movie. About being a bachelor for too long, and then realizing that uh, you get in with uh, you get into ruts, and you don't make the most of yourself hey. uh, until you find a relationship that uh, is meant to be. Uh, it uh, I, like I said, it's corny. Uh, it uh, it won a lot of awards because it was so warm and all about love. And uh, I don't even know why I glommed down to it because you know I was a little kid at the time. I've never forgotten that movie that, but and I still happens. watch it.
1: There you go, but that's what happens. Those, those things stay in our head and, 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 and it resonates with us. So I, I have to comment, so I look behind you there and you I see all those wonderful pictures, I'm assuming that's of your family and, and the like. Have you had a chance to be able to be with them during, during this time?
2: Well, uh, you're touching on something that we've all suffered, uh, mm-hmm. haven't we? Uh, the answer's for the most part, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, have, uh, I have four children, uh, most of whom are in healthcare. Oh, wow. Physicians, uh, their spouses as well. Uh, they're scattered around. Uh, I have nine grandchildren. Uh, and, uh, you know, with the exception of the couple and the grandchildren that are here in Columbia, Maryland, uh, I have one family's in Chicago. Mm. I haven't seen them in over a year. Yeah. yeah. So that's tough for my wife and me. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, the end is in sight. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's been tough, but that's, that's
1: the pictures you see behind me. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, look, Jay. Look, again, we could go on and on and on. I, I just uh, I, I just love the, the, the energy that you have and the passion that you have, uh, uh the, the, the role and you know how I feel like we talked about the role of higher ed and how it can move individuals at a I like to talk about that TEDCo. We're not so much in the economic development game, Jay, but we're in the economic empowerment game because at the end of the day it's about one person. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's fulfilling the dreams of one and same thing in, in higher ed it's lifting it's, it's, people up it's one person and making them making them different and making their life different it's it's not a macro thing yes they, you and i do macro decisions and we have these big things but at the end of the day it's about one person it's about one person and trying to make a difference for one person and, and that's okay. why i love what you do so again i can't thank you enough i'm looking forward to our conversations as we continue to support uh, our, fo- our friends in Maryland and, and and the system overall and and what we do to build a better innovation culture here in Maryland. So thank you for what you do for that. And thank you for, for your relationship with me. I really do appreciate that.
2: I'm honored to be with you. Thank you. Okay.
1: To our viewers, again, thank you all. Appreciate your time. Always appreciate con- your consideration and, and the comments we've been getting. I can't say enough for, for that. Um, so again, this is Troy Lamel Stovall, the CEO and executive director for Tedco. We'll see everybody next week. Everybody take care.
0: Thanks again for listening, and a special thank you to our guest, Chancellor Jay Perman, for joining in today's discussion. For more information on TechCo and its activities, check us out at www.tedcomd.com. If you enjoyed today's discussion, consider sharing and subscribing to TechCo Talks.